The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime, whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. Now, here's health and wellness specialist Leah Brenda Smith. Hello, I am your host, Leah Brenda Smith, and welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. It's being simultaneously broadcast on Voice America Variety, and hello out there to the folks at Project Freedom Radio Network. So this is show number 56, and it's all about the healing potential of sound and music. And, you know, a few weeks ago, I, I was attending a meditation retreat at uh, Miraval. Um, retreat center in the Catalina Mountains near Tucson, Arizona. And I, uh, they have a fabulous spa there with so many different types of services uh, with traditions from all over the world. And I tried a Tibetan chakra balancing session with master practitioner and delightful little Pamela Lancaster. And to begin the session, Pamela used her voice to evoke healing energies and chant sacred incantations for the session. And then during the session, I was surrounded by the healing sounds and vibrations of various Tibetan bowls and the cleansing power of the symphonic gongs. And for me, I I was just bathed in this uh, symphony of sound And the session really was a deep sojourn for me into my body and into my being. And it was this session really that prompted me to choose sound and music and the healing properties of these, of sound and music for the focus of today's show. Now, music was, uh, always was a fundamental part of my life. And when I was a child, my mother enjoyed her subscription to Columbia Records, and so did I. You know, she always had the show tunes of the golden oldies filling the house with the smooth tones of the crooners. And I managed to memorize all of the lyrics, you know, the old-fashioned way, by patiently moving the arm that housed the needle on the record player back through the song until I knew the words by heart. Now, my parents loved to sing and dance, and they won several trophies for ballroom dancing in their young adult lives. And all of my nine siblings, yes, all of them, they certainly loved to sing and loved to whirl around on the dance floor. I had the good fortune to take music theory as well as vocal and instrumental music in school. 
And I've been so pleased throughout my life to encourage others to express themselves through music and through movement. I was fortunate. I feel that I was blessed with a good sense of rhythm and a, the general working knowledge of music from school that I received. It's really been a, a treat for me to be able to learn to play a handful of instruments. And although I've never been a serious music student, I learned enough theory as a youngster to be able to cobble notes together, to write my own songs and lyrics, play the piano, the clarinet, hand drums, and a little bit of fife and guitar. I'm here to let you know that clearly you don't need to be a professional musician or even really consider yourself a musician to make music or even write music. You know, a few basic chords and a passion for music can really go a long way. In the early 80s, while I uh, was offering Reiki sessions, I spontaneously started toning around the treatment table and I allowed myself to follow my intuition with these experiences and produce sounds that matched what I was feeling in the people that I was treating. My first drum was a sacred hoop drum made by an Algonquin Indian in northern Ontario. And again, through guidance and intuition, I would drum the hoop drum over people on the treatment table or while they were sitting on a chair. And their experience was always one of transcendence, clearing, and then grounding at the end. And I've had the privilege of taking my large hoop drum into a sweat lodge and drumming the heartbeat for hours while the community of people gathered went through the sweat lodge ceremony. And in earlier years, once a month, I led a drumming circle. And what a joy that was to have a dozen women gathered in the living room for drumming and meditation. Then later I learned uh, to drum on a doomback drum. And I learned this really from an inner drummer who came to me for several weeks while I was alone drumming and taught me how to surrender to the drum and welcome the energy to come up into me and into the drum, up through the earth. And after the session with the inner drummer, to end the healing treatments that I was doing in private practice, I started tapping out rhythms ever so gently, just with my fingertips on my drum. The sounds and the rhythms was like mimicking the pulses in the body, mimicking the heartbeat and the other pulses that are always there throughout the body. There was a great transition for the person that I was treating, a really gentle way of bringing people back into their body at the at the end of a session. I had a friend in Alberta who used to tease me. He used to tease me by saying that he had a watch that ticks louder than I drummed. And I always took that as a great sign that I'd actually become a drummer. I realized that it was not about beating on the drum to make sound, but surrendering to the drum 
and listening within to the sounds and to the rhythms that are always and ever present in the inner. And I've often heard the phrase that when you pick up a drum, you never drum alone, as all of life is present. And there's always other drummers in the inner that are joining you. Generally speaking, when a person feels whole and contented with life, you could say that that person is in harmony. You know, I've worked with other sound healing instruments, such as uh, Tibetan bowls. As I said, I've never been a serious student of music, unlike Pam Lancaster when she did her treatment on me. She has had, you know, in-depth training with the masters on how to use the Tibetan bowls for sound healing. And also, I do have a crystal bowl, and I learned to use tuning forks to do sound healing sessions. And this is really a, uh, the process, really, you strike the tuning fork, which automatically produces a tone that corresponds to the note of that specific tuning fork. And then you bring the tip of the tuning fork up to the bones in a sequence that was taught to me by my instructor. Now, I had originally thought that for today's show... I would be able to create a symphony of sound for you. And my original idea was to use the various sound healing instruments that I have. However, after experimenting, I realized that I do not have the technology to really record the sounds in a way that would make a clear um, presentation for you. So I thought that it's best to leave that for another show and till I have the proper technical support. So more of the, the extensive type of sound healing instruments and things that I was going to initially talk about today, I'm going to leave for another time so that we can do that justice and give you a really great example of what these different experiences and these different sounds and tones, or what they sound like but also what they feel like as that vibration comes into your body. So we'll stay tuned for another time for that symphony of sound. But here's a quote for you from uh, Confucius, Confucius, a Chinese philosopher who lived in 500 BC. He said that in music, the sages found pleasure and saw that it could be used to make the hearts of the people good. Because of the deep influence that it exerts on man and the change that it produces in manners and customs, the ancient kings caused it to be one of the subjects of instruction. And isn't that an incredible blessing for those of us that have had the opportunity to actually learn music in school? The sound is vibrational in nature. It's very powerful, and it is a tool that's available to everyone because we are vibrational beings. You know, the emotional content and influence of sound can be amplified or enhanced by the spoken word through chanting, toning, in sung verse 
and through the striking and strumming, plucking or blowing of musical or sound healing instruments. And in many cultures, music has historically held a deep sacred space in the hearts and in the minds of their people. And it has been used to facilitate access to deeper insight and to healing and to higher, more finely tuned vibrations. Which is, I think, really what the great draw is for many people that are involved with sound healing in this day and age. And there are sound healing communities all over the world. There's certainly a very strong community here in Ottawa. And there is world organizations of sound healing. So if uh, that's something that appeals to you, you know, do some research in your area and see. You may be able to join in on some activities that are going on right in your backyard. You know, it takes very little effort for your brain to be able to read the signals that are present in music. You know, the brain can simultaneously piece together the complexities of pitch and melody and harmony and rhythm and the intervals into all of what, what is known and what really makes up music. And everyone experienced sounds and music, if you like, while they were in the womb, while floating in the embryonic fluid, the heartbeat of your mother and her digestive processes were likely as pleasant to you as the singing of the whales are. And as young infants, we start creating music uh, when we coo and hum and when we sing to ourselves. Babies are always happy when they're singing to themselves. Singing and dancing are as old as humankind. And it's a natural instinct to create rhythms with our body and with our voice. The inspiration of joy through music can lead you to feel a strong connection with the divine. And it can also give a person a sense of wonder and delight. Some of the most joyful music uses a large choir and has a strong emphasis on stringed instruments, which give the feeling that you're listening to the music of the angels. The beauty of joyful music that can help you overcome feelings of depression and anger or invoke a sense that life has no limitations and really that anything is possible. The music's always been used to connect humankind to heaven, and it's through music that the deeds of heroes and gods were glorified. You know, shamans sang their spirits into the world beyond and back again. And chanting opened up the psychic channels within monks and nuns. And the ancients believed that music has the power to purify the feelings of people. Just as much now as it's always been, because it is a universal language. Now through a compilation of works by Cynthia Blanche and Antonio Beatty in The Power of Music... Let's explore some of the ways that sound and music has been associated with healing 
throughout different times and cultures and really coming right up to and including modern-day music therapy. The word enchant comes from the Latin incantare, which means to sing or to chant magical words or sounds. And the chanting or toning of specific sound is at the basics of incantations. And many magical formulas were used in practices ranging from priestly rites of the ancient Egyptians to Wiccan rituals that are still practiced in modern times. But at its highest level, the practice of chanting is not very different in principle from the toning of Tibetan monks or the chanting of the shamans from certain tribal groups. And in Jewish mystical traditions, the tradition of Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism, the vowel sounds were originally special sonics that were used to symbolize the names of God and also for other sacred purposes. Consonants gave words their body, and the vowels gave words their soul. Then through chanting, the master code of the sounds of the vowels, the A, E, I, O, and U, it was thought that one could reach full consciousness and become wholly connected to the universe through chanting the sounds of the vowels. And according to the Eastern ideas, OM is the sound whose vibration built the universe. It's referred to as the culmination of all the voices and all the sounds of all the beings in existence, past, present, and future. And in the East, there's great interest in the meaning of the single note, there's meaning in the pure and single sound and in the creative power of that sound. And the music of the Tibetan monks best encapsulates that concept. The monks were able to create up to three tones from one long, drawn-out note. There's no melody in Tibetan toning, and when a note moves up or down, the space between the two notes represents mystical significance. The religious chants of India, known as the Vedic chant, comes from the South and is based on ancient scriptures of Hinduism. The Vedas continue to be chanted by Brahmin priests during their daily devotions, And despite the references in the Bible to the virtues of music, it has never had the significance in Western religion that it has had in the East. The first Christian music came predominantly from vocal Greek traditions, and the earliest written music known as plain song refers to the single line of melody of the Gregorian chants that has been used to accompany the text of the Catholic Mass. The elongated vowel sounds of Gregorian chants creates overtones 
in a similar way that has been described about the chanting by the religions of the East. So it seems that there is certainly a crossover in the approach. Music was the savior of more than 50 million slaves, singing as they toiled and worked so hard. You know, the first African-American churches formed in the late 18th century, and music for formal worship consisted of psalms and hymns, and spirituals were performed usually after the worship. Gospel singing, both black and white, came from the rise of the Pentecostal movement in the end of the 19th century. And the tribal music of the indigenous peoples across the world has a richness, a richness and a diversity that links a tribal community with the rhythms of their land. They mark the change of seasons the effects of the moon on the seas, the migration of animals and birds, they all have a rhythm that has seeped into the land, and the tribal music taps into these rhythms, as well as the rhythms in the community. The tribal music involves primarily percussion instruments, such as drums and rattles and bells. Unlike the Vedic traditions of India, where chants were strictly observed, tribal songs and dances are more open to improvisation, which allowed the music to change and to be updated frequently. Rhythm and not melody is the main feature in most tribal music. In Africa, in African music, some very complex rhythms can be found within a melody that is very simple. And in Native American traditions, music is more limited to a form of song which is performed without harmonization and with percussion accompaniment. The music has been used since ancient times, used to soothe emotional upsets, and in many cultures, it was believed that disharmony in the mind led to disharmony in the body. It was through the laws of health. The laws of health were also the laws of sound, connecting, healing with music. So the power of music and sound to heal both the body and the spirit is very potent and it is recognized particularly in modern music therapy. But music has also been used successfully in hospitals to help coma and stroke sufferers regain consciousness and speech. And music also plays a significant role for people suffering from Alzheimer's and dementia as a way of connecting with their sense of self through familiar songs that they can sing along with or pieces of classical music that they remember. And therapy involving the use of music is to positively affect a person's mental, physical, and emotional and spiritual health developed in the West more in the 20th century. As hospital staff notice benefits in their patients when musicians began entertaining servicemen, 
who were injured both physically and emotionally by the traumas of World War I and II. Music therapy involves the use of, of a number of different techniques, ranging from passively listening to specific types of music to drumming actively in a circle, and many things in between. You know, music therapy can be tailored for a large variety of individuals and is just as beneficial to those who do not have any musical background at all. Music therapy is of great benefit to children and adults who have emotional, physical, developmental, or learning disabilities. And people who are suffering from acute or chronic pain can also derive great benefit and relief from sound and or music therapy. One of the techniques listening to music helps people to increase their attention span and improve their memory. And the soothing qualities of music help people to relax and access memories and feelings that they have forgotten or that maybe they have blocked that may have been too painful at the time. Now, for many years, I led a therapeutic sing-and-play-along music program for people with developmental disabilities. And during the program... In a playful way, I was really teaching basic fundamental components of music, which helped to build the listening skills and the cooperation between the group, and certainly increased the self-esteem and personal satisfaction of the folks that used to come to class. The program was really paramount in helping to soften the emotions and dissolve tension in the body and in the mind as well as assisting in balancing auditory and perceptual processing, and for some people helping to increase their fine and gross motor control. I would often match guttural sounds for the folks that um, really their communication was limited to just guttural sounds, or would create rhythmic sounds of speech for them. Or sometimes you'd hear folks, they were humming a little tune under their breath, and if I could pick up on the tune, then it was a great way to be able to then um, bring that song forward and get them to participate in that. Or we'd make up songs for repetitive speech patterns, or elongate the ends of sounds that they could do really well. And all of this really promoted self-expression, through just the simple sing-along songs and exploring easy-to-play percussion instruments. It was always a really wild, wonderful time. And the program really benefited the individuals who enjoyed sound and movement and music. But it was also invaluable in assisting individuals with profound disabilities to find an accessible and enjoyable outlet for expressing their complex and often held in emotions. And I also had the opportunity through uh, my work in the snoozlin room, the multisensory environments, to work with people one-on-one, -on -one, also doing some of this music therapy for them, 
working with sounds and working with the instruments on a one-on-one basis. And, and in that way, was really able to help to really bring forward the abilities that these individuals did have and to help them find ways to, uh, on purpose, work with their music and their enjoyment and their abilities to, to really help bring relaxation and also promote self-expression especially for folks that um, found it more challenging because of their uh, disabilities to really participate in um, group activities or even activities that um, were available out in the community. I also had the occasion to do... uh, programs for um, the elderly and people with dementia, people with Alzheimer's, doing really easy sing-and-play-along sessions. Obviously, we focused on different songs, but the benefits were uh, always exhilarating. There's nothing like seeing somebody light up from the inside out when they uh, recognize music or just the enjoyment of music and feeling those great effects that the vibrations of sound can uh, can bring to someone and fill someone with. So drumming is another technique in music therapy. The rhythmic beat helps the body and the mind to find a consistent and a stable beat, which can help a person to feel more grounded and centered. And it's also been it's been found to help people with social skills, especially if the drumming is done in a circle. Drumming can build a sense of community by the coordination of the group's heartbeat and breathing rates with the beat of the drum. So this type of a technique is extremely useful for releasing and managing stress. And here are just some... um, Healing basics, really, of music. Now, just go through those. They're rhythm, melody, harmony, tempo, and pitch. And the rhythm of music is the timing. The number of beats contained in the measure or the bar of music, and the number of measures or bars of music that make up the phrase. So, apart really from experimentation by modern Western composers... The rhythm is often consistent throughout a piece of music. And this kind of music intrinsically imparts a sense of structure and balance. In Gregorian chant, plain song, and some tribal music, the rhythms are free, allowing the chanted words or sounds to form the basis of the music. And this kind of music is useful for trance work and other spiritual experiences because it's unbound by the structure that rhythm imposes. And it can evoke a soaring sense of freedom that's suitable for connecting with the divine. And then melody. It's believed that until about 1900 AD, only one line of music was ever played or sung. And this line of music, which carries the tune, is called the melody. And much tribal music and plain songs and many European folk songs 
are melodic music. I personally love melodic music. It just fills me just right. And other people prefer other forms of music. But simple, single, melodic lines, also known as monophonic music, have the effect of concentrating the mind and have been noted for the ability to calm the emotional body. And from 1900 AD, polyphonic music began to be used where two or more lines of melodies were sung or played and started to become more complex and have more complex melodies even within one song. So it was also at that time frame, 1900 AD, that harmony was incorporated into music. So the one line of melody was enlivened with other subsidiary lines of melody at different pitches and notes related by a common chord to the notes in the melody. And a chord is really a group of two or more notes that are heard simultaneously. The composition of harmony in music involved the understanding of the mathematical relationships between musical intervals. Yes, for as creative as music is, it is very mathematical. And um, if we got into a deeper esoteric meaning of the mathematics, we would see that all of that is really the base of the universe. Everything is can be explained and described and seen through a lens of mathematical equations. But we'll leave that for another time. You know, over the centuries, composers adhered to or broke these rules of harmony to create a unified arrangement of notes. And the mathematical quality of achieving a combination of melodies and harmonies is believed to be stimulating to the intellect. And then tempo. You know, the tempo of a piece of music refers to the speed at which the music is played. So pieces of music suggested for quiet contemplation are often of a slow or moderate speed. And an uplifting tempo is one that's usually suggested for inspiring joy and happiness or creativity. And then the pitch. This word really refers to the frequency of a sound, whether it is of a high or a low quality. And pitch is measured in hertz, which is the measurement of the vibration of the sound wave. So if the pitch is high, the vibration will be faster than sounds at a low pitch. And our hearing ranges really from 20 to 20,000 hertz, depending on our age. And music that vibrates above 8 hertz is believed to be beneficial for healing the body. And learning to truly listen to the music and sounds around you can help you become more present in your world and help you benefit more deeply from the healing effects of music. Listening is an active skill. It is not merely hearing. Pay attention. Pay attention to the nuances of the music and listen to the notes, the pauses, 
and the emotional timber of the music. Active listening to music can transport you and give your mind a sense of space and pleasure. And listening carefully to music can also have beneficial effects on your body. And some pieces of music that we're, that we're familiar with can help us remember more about ourselves in cases of stroke or Alzheimer's disease or even when there is some kind of neurological damage. And listening to higher frequencies between two and 8,000 hertz may induce attentiveness in the listener. It's often said that violin music is especially recommended for that. And certainly music can be chosen to help you expand your sense of hearing, your sounds of the violin and flutes and ambient music, as well as environmental sounds such as ocean waves. These are effective forms of music for encouraging you to listen more actively. And meditation with music really involves stilling the mind to such an extent that you're able to listen actively to the music without any interference from distracting thoughts. And this is one of the most profound ways of listening to music would be in a meditative state. You're able to listen not only to every sound, but also the space between the sounds. And for some of the listeners, the space between the sounds is uh, as important as the sounds themselves. And you can start the meditation by sitting upright and keeping your feet flat on the floor, keeping your back straight and your head erect. As this posture really enables you to become like a receptive antenna for listening. So just focus on your breathing. And once you feel that sense of stillness entering your mind, then start the music. Focus on your breath. And you can use the music to help, if you like, to transport yourself away from everyday life and just really go into the music, actively listening. Now, the powerful link between music and memory is now being more seriously studied. And there's been a long history of aiding the memory with music and its rhythms. In earlier times, laws were once written in verse so that they could be sung in public places. And in traditional societies, the community's history was sung, being orally communicated between the generations. And research has shown that rhythmic stimulation for just a half of an hour over a certain period of time improved the rehabilitation of stroke victims. And this form of rhythmic stimulation was achieved by embedding metronome pulses into the patient's favorite music. So listening to the music further helped alleviate depression related to the rehabilitation process. So if your body's in need of energizing, you may consider listening to strongly rhythmic music. And this type of music is really excellent for giving a listener a sense of courage and the willpower to work through or work with any disabilities. 
Strong rhythms are also important for people who are deaf or who suffer from a hearing impairment because the rhythm can be felt through the body with high frequencies often being felt in the hands and the feet while the lower frequencies are often felt in the stomach. Loneliness and even homesickness can be alleviated if a person listens to music that reminds him or her of feeling settled or happy in their homeland. And listening to music, especially music that comes from a meaningful and happy time in their lives, is also particularly useful for elderly people with Alzheimer's disease or other age-related complaints for those suffering life-threatening illnesses. We all know that heavy emotions and past pain from the past can, well, can weigh us down from time to time. But letting go of that type of negativity can be challenging. However, many people feel that music can surround them with safety and it strengthens your mind and your soul. So allow yourself to become immersed in the music that you really love and let the tears fall. Some would say that tears are nature's way of dissolving emotional walls or blocks so that you can live your life more fully. And soothing music has a powerful effect on all levels of pain experienced by the body. And techniques have been developed for using sound to diminish pain. One involves the therapist playing one note after another and getting responses from the patient on whether the note vibrated somewhere in the body. Where did it vibrate? The aim is to find the note that resonates in the area experiencing pain. And then once found, the note could be sung or toned by the therapist or an improvisation could be played using the note as a base for some soothing harmonies. And music can also act as a diversion, right? It can give the mind space to free itself from the tensions of the pain and allowing the areas in pain to relax and heal. Even the patient's belief that music will help diminish the pain can trigger the release of endorphins, just that anticipation of the relief. It can trigger the release of endorphins into the bloodstream and, and give him or her a sense of relief from pain. Suitable music for pain uh, would be New Age music, environmental sounds, even the, the bubbling of a, of a brook. And uh, in springtime, you know, listening to the water, there's nothing like that for folks. People are always commenting on even just sitting by the ocean just to hear the lulling sound of the waves. Now, some musical compositions can be very useful for helping a person to cope with grief. When someone's unable to express their grief through, through words, the strong emotion can sometimes have a disrupting effect on the physical body. So music therapists have found that playing certain pieces of music can help release the emotion of grief. Allowing the sadness, expressed non-verbally through tears, 
and alleviating any physical symptoms resulting from the suppression of grief while listening to soothing music. And you might consider using an affirmation while you're doing this, such as, I release my grief and feel peace and love in its place. I release my grief and feel peace and love in its place. You know, your voice is a powerful tool in terms of communication and healing. The sound of your voice can influence moods around you and can create channels for the flow of energy within you. So learning to control your breath, to make sustained sounds full of resonance, can help you heal yourself and others. Singing, chanting, or the ability to make sustained sounds of deep quality through a technique called toning can help you release emotional and physical blocks. And singing is one of the most expressive ways we have of communicating ideas and emotions. The words we sing are uplifting and call to our soul in a manner that cannot be achieved merely by speaking the words. And singing is an important element in music therapy sessions where the therapist uses songs to evoke expressions of thoughts and feelings that a person usually feels unable to access. Now, often people believe that they're unable to sing a song. It's usually because they experience constriction in the throat as a result of shyness or embarrassment. Or maybe somebody told them that they couldn't sing. Maybe it happened during a time when their voice was changing in adolescence and they were told, don't sing. <laughs> I've heard many people tell me that, and I like to encourage them to sing anyways. You know, because like any instrument, the voice must be trained so that you can control and use your vocal qualities. So sometimes it's just kind of like the voice is just, um, uh, because it hasn't been used, if you don't use your singing voice, it loses its tonal quality. So I have found for myself, too, the more I sing, the more my voice tunes itself. So the more you use your instrument, the more fluid it will be, and the more fine-tuned the tones will be. You know, you could just, it, just, just allow yourself to sing for the safe release of, of emotions. You could try making nonsensical noises or singing any syllables that come to your mind. And notice that you do, what, what are you doing with your breath? Bring the breath into your body. It's important. It's like bringing energy into your body. So how you use your breath determines the richness of your voice. And by breathing deeply in your diaphragm, down deep in your belly while you're singing, you'll find that you will also be able to relieve any feelings of anxiousness that you might have. So when you first start singing, you want to start singing gently and softly with a range that's comfortable for you. Sometimes that's the problem. People are trying to sing songs that are in a range that isn't a good range for their voice. So start somewhere that's natural for you. Don't sing things that are difficult at first or even a loud volume. Sometimes people are like screaming the words out. They're singing too loudly. Yet if they 
sung a little more softly, they would find the pure beauty then in the voice. And don't worry about trying to sing correctly. Just sing. Enjoy the sound of your voice. And experiment with what feels comfortable for you in terms of the pitch. Do you prefer singing low or in a mid-range or in a high range? If you feel tense, you can loosen your jaw and just move your lower jaw from side to side and relax your tongue. There's lots of good reasons to sing. It has a lot of benefits. It was certainly easy. You don't need to purchase any expensive musical instrument. It strengthens your health, both physically and emotionally. And it aids in diction and helps alleviate stuttering. And it can also help to link you with your self-esteem and your creativity. So lots of good reasons to be singing along to the songs. Hmm. You know, um, chanting induces uh, relaxation. And even breathing. Well, we are repeating with the repetition of a meaningful phrase. And it breaks down any sense of limitation and allows us to overcome difficulties of everyday life. Chanting is the use of a word or a phrase. Repetitive sounds that can induce an altered state of consciousness. It can range from simply relaxing to the invocation of the Divine Spirit. But the repetition of the word or words can create a sound barrier that doesn't allow everyday thoughts to crowd in the mind and by releasing the mind from everyday concerns. So chanting can help us to access our subconscious and our intuition. And toning is the vocalization of pure sound, which is usually produced by the voice making elongated vowel sounds. As a technique for voice and sound healing, toning requires no musical training, and it's a much easier method than singing because the person usually needs to focus only on one note at a time. And toning can help you to balance and heal specific areas in your body and to refresh and clear the mind of everyday distractions. It's also known to improve your respiration and nervous system and reduce your heart rate. The benefits really go on and on. By creating a vibration within the body through your vocal cords, you'll feel that, depending on the vowels you use, different areas of your body are affected by the, by the vibrations. You know, the, this reminds me really of a, um, a flautist that I met one time, and he talked with me about sonic showers, where people would go into a chamber and be flooded with sounds that were um, perfect for creating a harmonious DNA, if you like. So the purpose of the sonic shower was to fill the body with vibrations that would encourage wellness at the level of the cells. The idea was to reintroduce the blueprint of wellness to the diseased cells. And then he did a little demonstration for me of something that he was working on with his wife. And it was just this little process with his flute. 
while playing the note high C on his flute. And then his wife played a descending chromatic scale, which was really playing all of the semitones from the high C to the middle C. And then when the sounds from the two flutes met, it automatically created a third sound, which was the overtones. That's referred to as the overtones. And it was really, really quite, quite, quite a delight, very much of a delight. You know, I um, if you want to try this yourself for using toning, you could do it between 2 and 20 minutes. And the relevant area of the body or organ that resonates with that sound is triggered into its healing mode. And on that basis, toning can be used to relieve many of our common aches and pains. And to release pain through toning, just make yourself as comfortable as possible. You could do it either sitting or lying down. And just focus focus your mind on the area that is causing you pain. And then you can breathe into your diaphragm, into your belly, and as you exhale, softly make an O sound. And imagine the sound vibrating through your body and that the grip of the pain in that area is being shaken free by the vibration of the O sound. And then as you reach the end of the exhalation, take a second breath. You can use really any of the vowel sounds. Just simply experiment until you find the unique tone that works for you. Sometimes toning can trigger the release of endorphins into your system that will actually help mask the pain and let you heal in peace. Now, I had a really amazing experience of toning while I was in labor with my beautiful son, Avi. And I found that when I made a sound that matched where the pain was in my body, a certain freedom came over me. Really, it was like flying. The sound seemed to balance out the feeling of pain in my body, leaving me in a euphoric state until the next contraction, and then what I would do is just repeat the process again. I wasn't really thinking about a specific note. I was just simply focused on making a sound that matched the pain that I was feeling low in my belly. And making music, making music purely for the joy of hearing sounds that delight you is one of the most healing and powerful forms of self-expression. And there are so many ways of linking into the power of sound and music, even if you've never learned to play a musical instrument. And um, even though I do play a variety of instruments, I've always commented that my, my voice is my, my best instrument or the one that I'm most well-versed with. And so we need to remember that our voice is an instrument. You know, simple percussion instruments are a good place to start. They're inexpensive and they're very forgiving. There's no concern about needing to play the right notes or combination of notes in order to make music. So really, egg shakers, maracas, which are the same principle as the egg shaker, they're just a little larger with handles, wooden or metal spoons, a tambourine. You could get one that's hollow, that's uh, open in the center, or one that has a drum skin in the center, and then you also have a, a drum with that or any kind of small drum. 
So if you're inclined to try a wind instrument, a recorder, or a tin whistle, or a slide whistle really is a good place to start. And these instruments are made to be blown from one end and have holes along the length of the narrow cylinder that require fingering to pick out a melody. And at the most basic level, you can play a single line of melody. And all of these instruments can be found at any music store, and they really are inexpensive. You can pick up inexpensive versions of these instruments, even though there are more expensive versions as well. But with the percussion instruments, it's easy enough to get started just by putting on your favorite music and singing and playing along with the recording. Or you could try singing and playing the instrument on your own with no musical background. And really, it can be as simple as setting, just settling yourself into a rhythm and, and just keep it going. So if you've already learned an instrument but haven't played in years, perhaps now would be a good time to pick up the instrument again and get reacquainted. Or perhaps there's another instrument that you always wanted to play in favor of or in addition to the one that you may have learned in earlier years. Just allow yourself to feel the happiness of playing spontaneously, even if you just feel like banging two saucepan lids together or tapping out tunes on the table with your hands or or even hitting two sticks together while outdoors. But I really encourage you to consider new ways of letting sound and music come into your life for the pure joy of it and for the natural healing potential that's available to everybody through sound and music. So I really thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio today. I am your ever-grateful host, Leah Brenda-Smith, and I encourage you to relax and enjoy your life. We hope you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life. Thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Please join Leah Brenda-Smith again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.